Hello, it is um, 11.30 on New Year's Eve, and I'm recording this new edition of the Kamana MMA podcast. I am Trent Reismith, and so if you hear fireworks in the background, which are guns, because I live in Baltimore, and it's sometimes hard to tell um, what you're he- hearing, um, especially on around holidays, there seems to be a, a combination this year it was a little more fireworks, I just, I think because of the, uh, the lockdown and the pandemic. So people had bought fireworks for 4th of July and just didn't use them for, for 4th of July. And they've been, uh, used for other, other holidays. So that's a, that's a good thing. Cause yeah, no, the falling bullets, not so good. It seems like every time, every holiday, someone gets hit with a, with a falling bullet. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but the likelihood is high. But anyway, so it is New Year's Eve, half hour till 2021. And since I don't really celebrate holidays, that's uh, it's personal reasons, nothing, no statement, just don't do it. Um, maybe I'll get into that at some point, but on with the show. Um, so here are the topics for today. Dana White and I agree on, well, partially agree on why Nick Diaz should not return to the UFC in 2021. Uh, Dana White and I don't really agree on the perfect world scenario of Conor McGregor and Habib Nurmagomedov meeting later in 2021. And I tell you why I am afraid for the future of the UFC and how Endeavor is handling the business of the UFC going into 2021. And now, on with the show. There's been chatter about Nick Diaz coming back at some point in 2021. And when I discussed this earlier this year, I said that I had no interest in Diaz returning. And most of that was based on the fact that he has... uh, not won a fight since he beat BJ Penn in 2011, October 2011. And that was not, that was a depleted BJ Penn. I don't think anyone will argue with that. So his last legit win would have been against Paul Daly in April 2011. And that was in defense of the strike, strike force welterweight title. And anyone that saw that fight, it was a, a one, one rounder. It, probably remains the best one-round fight in MMA history. It was a crazy four minutes and 57 seconds of action. And if you haven't seen it, make sure you do. Um, it was it, no hyperbole. It was, it was a legendary fight. And it was just incredible to see that everything that went into that five minutes. So great fight, great win. But that, is legitimately Nick Diaz's last great fight. And I think a lot of people that are in MM, in watching MMA today know more of the legend of Nick Diaz than the actual high-quality Nick Diaz. Um, his last fight was January 31st, 2015, a five-round fight with Anderson Silva, which is more known more for 
the antics that went on in the in the cage than the action that went on in the cage. Um, so, I mean, if you want to see some, like I said, antics, watch that fight. If you want to see two, and let's be honest here, past their prime legends of the of MMA fight, then watch it for that. It's not a great fight by any means. It ended with Silva winning. It was overturned when both fighters uh, failed drug tests. So, not a great fight by any means. Um, so, I, 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 and this is why I didn't want. I don't want to see Nick Diaz come back because I think the Nick Diaz we saw in that fight with Anderson Silva, in his loss to George St. Pierre, and in his loss to Carlos Condit, Condit, or Conduit, if you will, and Nick Diaz will. I I don't think we're going to even see a shadow of that, Nick Diaz. It's been too long. Um, he's done some odd things outside of the cage. He has not been focused on training our, our health and fitness. And there's questions about, you know, just Nick Diaz in general, the healthiness, the, the healthiness of Nick Diaz in general. And that's more the mental healthiness of Nick Diaz than the physical healthiness because we can see him. Physically, he looks very good um, right now, but mentally, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm going to leave that at that. But um, I have no interest in seeing Nick fight. And from what uh, UFC President Dana White says here, he also has no interest in seeing Nick Diaz fight. And this is, um, he spoke to the schmo. Everything that I see from Nick Diaz doesn't look like he wants to or is ready to compete in this sport. Even John Jones, as good as John Jones is, you have to be 100% mentally, physically, and emotionally ready to train, be ready for this, and fight. I don't think anyone should want to see Nick Diaz fight. Nick Diaz has been in a lot of wars. He's accomplished a lot of great things in his career. He's made a lot of money. He's obviously super famous. He's gotten everything you could hope to get out of fighting. I just don't know why, when I see his Instagram, why he would come back. And this is exactly what I said um, when I discussed this first time I discussed this, the mentally, physically, and emotionally is, is those, that's what I focused on. And I think physically Diaz is there mentally and emotionally. I don't know. Um, and that's my concern. And so if, if Dana White, if those are Dana White's legitimate reasons for not wanting to see Nick Diaz fight again, then I can appreciate that because those are my legitimate reasons for not wanting to see Nick Diaz fight again. So it's a it this is a very rare, very, very rare occasion where Dana White and I see eye to eye. Another reason Dana White might not want to see Nick Diaz fight is the pay. And I can understand that from a business standpoint. Nick Diaz's last fight with Anderson Silva, he made a $500,000 disclosed salary, which probably because of who he is and, and, and what he has done and what he has accomplished, $500,000 is not... I know people will say it's a crazy amount of money for MMA. And maybe for MMA it is, but in a big picture, in a sports kind of environment, that's probably less than Nick Diaz deserved at that time. Um, for his name recognition and what he brought to the octagon and especially for a fight with someone like Anderson Silva. The name recognition in that fight is off the charts. 
And so 500 grand, good amount for the UFC to pay, but it got probably, it probably did fine with that. Um, Nick Diaz of 2021, I I would think that the UFC is going to be hard pressed to justify a five hundred thousand dollars salary for Nick Diaz in twenty twenty one. I just don't think that that it would be there, and I don't I don't think the return on the investment is going to be there. And at that amount of money, who are you going to put him against? Because you're not going to put Nick Diaz against an unranked fighter for five hundred thousand dollars. And the Nick Diaz of twenty twenty one. I don't know who he beats in the welterweight, the top 10, top 15. I just don't. Um, and I don't know how he looks. And that's a big risk for the UFC for $500,000 or more. So I don't blame Dana White for not wanting to pay that. He's not going to say that. But it's it's hard to justify that. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but... Yeah, I agree with uh, Dana White here uh, that I don't know if Diaz is 100% mentally and emotionally ready to fight. And I also agree that from a business standpoint, the uh, the outlay of cash for uh, uh, 2021 Nick Diaz isn't going to be worth $500,000 for the UFC. So while Diaz's manager says he is... 99% going to come back in 2021. I think the UFC is going to try and discourage that as best as it can. And it can do so through matchmaking, uh, placement on the card, uh, short notice. It can, it can actively discourage Nick Diaz from coming back by a number of means, none of which are illegal or out of line with the UFC business practices. So um, if Dana White says Nick Diaz is not going to come back in 2021, I am inclined to believe that. I know this is a surprise, but I am inclined to believe that. Um, another thing White said was that in a perfect world, a fight between Conor McGregor and Habib Nurmagomedov would take place in 2021. And in that perfect world, that that has um, McGregor defeating Dustin Poirier at UFC 257 in January. And I don't think that's a perfect world. I, I just, I don't think the rematch should happen. We are, White is basing this rematch not on what happened in the first fight, not on fan demand, but solely on what it can bring to the UFC coffers. Um, and what it will bring is a lot of money because Nurmagomedov is a worldwide star. And in different regions, he has a lot more pull, I think, in 2021 than, than Conor McGregor has in, in 2021. Now, Conor McGregor is a... Also a worldwide star, star maybe more so for him, his name than for his accomplishments at this point. So this that would probably be uh, one of the bigger pay-per-views in, in UFC history. Maybe not number one because of the outcome of the first fight where Nurmagomedov ran over McGregor. But it's still going to be in the top three. 
And White knows that. And so that's what he's basing things on. He's basing it on money, not on anything else. Which, if I'm running a business, okay, that's what I'm going to base things on too. So, But I'm going to criticize that because I am not running a business. I am looking at this from a fighter standpoint, maybe a hardcore fan standpoint, but definitely from a media standpoint. A perfect world would have Habib Nurmagomedov remaining retired to honor his his father and to honor his mother's wishes. That would be my perfect world, that Nurmagomedov would be able to resist White pushing to make him come back to fight for a 30-0 record against a man he, he handily defeated the first time. That would be my perfect world. Um, but I don't know what's going to happen here. The man who can spoil that perfect world is Dustin Poirier. So if Poirier beats McGregor at UFC 257, I don't think Poirier gets a rematch because he got handily defeated by Nurmagomedov in the first place. And that's depending on if... I think that I think the talk of a... Nurmagomedov coming out of retirement ends if Poirier wins, with the exception of a possible George St. Pierre fight, which I think is out of the question based on what it would cost the UFC. So Dana White's perfect world is Dana White's perfect world. It is not the perfect world of um, MMA or a sports sporting event world. It is a perfect world as in I can make a shit ton of money for myself and and Endeavor and ESPN if this fight happens. Because the fight isn't justified in any way but that. So, I while I see White's point, I wholeheartedly disagree with his perfect world scenario. In a perfect world, Dana White lets Habib Nurmagomedov remain retired. And if he wants to come out of retirement, he will go to White and speak to him, not have White pressure him to come out of retirement. So not a perfect world. Um, and let's not forget that Dustin Poirier can play big time spoiler just by beating Conor McGregor. And while I, I'm picking McGregor, I don't think it's out of the cards that Poirier can win this fight. Something interesting, sorry about that, for those watching on video, I zoomed in a little bit there, uh, but something happened um, the other day, and it, it is that the UFC is going to raise the cost of the pay-per-views um, in 2021, and this does not shock me, and it concerns me though, because I see how this is going. I think I see how this is going to play out. And um, an example would be, for those who follow the the media, um, the example would be the newspapers being purchased by uh, private equity firms, big newspapers being purchased by private equity firms, and then cost-cutting going into those firms the cost cutting going to those newspapers where 
veteran reporters are laid off and replaced or not replaced. But if they're replaced, they're replaced by um, fewer and lower paid uh, reporters, sometimes being replaced by fewer and lower paid reporters who are not even working in the town that the paper's based on. A more sports-friendly example would be when Deadspin was sold. I mean, the Gizmodo, when the 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 sites associated with Deadspin were all sold and then Deadspin was um, stripped away and shipped away at and told to stick to sports and then everyone quit because management didn't understand what Deadspin was about. They just wanted the name and to make the money off the name and then keep it as something that was a shadow of itself. And that's my biggest fear for the UFC and Endeavor. Um, I, I think it's coming to that. I, 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 I think that's the route we're taking here. And it's frightening to me and it should be frightening to the fans. I think what we're seeing here is that Endeavor is looking to get as much money out of the UFC as it can, and that's fine. That's what a business does. But I don't think it sees it as a long-term investment, and that's why I'm comparing it to a private equity firm because I don't think the private equity firms that buy businesses look at them as a long-term investment. They look at, I think they look at these investments as uh, we, we, buy, we buy high and then we make our money back by chipping away and chipping away and chipping away. And then by the time we have made our money and our profit that we desire, we either hold on to that business and keep making as much profits as we can off the shadow of the, what the business once was, or you unload the, what remains of that property to someone else who thinks they can rebuild it. I think this has started, and the first sign of that was the was is is happening right now, and that's the shedding of expenses. In that, it we're shedding high-priced veteran fighters and replacing them with the Dana White Contender Series fighters, who were on much lower-priced contracts. So we're replacing high-priced talent with a name what might be on a losing streak or heading to the downside of their career, but still making a lot of money. We're replacing them with fighters that are making $12,000 contracts in the hopes that quantity of those fighters can make up. And a couple of those fighters will turn into stars. And we're seeing that it's working to some, to some degree with, with fighters like Kevin Holland um, and Hamzat Chemaev their lower price talent and moving up the rankings and they're starting to get paid more, but they still have a long way to go before they, you know, replace or can compete with what fighters like say Anderson Silva was making. So that's the boat we're in. That's where it started. And now the next step is you raise the price of things like the pay-per-views and maybe ESPN plus and the prices go up. The prices go up. The quality goes down. The cost of the fighters goes down. The profits go up. 
And then the squeeze happens where any little thing that can be cut out of the system is, is cut out of the system. And I think that's where we're at. Um, I think that's where we're headed. I think that's what started to happen. And I think it bears watching. What also bears watching in this situation is how the media handles what's happening um, because the media, the, the majority of the UFC media works in fear of the UFC. And so they need, we need folks who are going to watch this and report on it and be honest with what they see. And I think that's going to be the exception rather than, than the norm. And I hope I'm wrong on that. I don't think I am. I think history has told me that that's going to be ignored or any fears will be pushed to the back. Dana White will, will do his job of saying that someone like me who is bringing this up is actively working against the UFC and I'm not. Um, this frightens me and I want to be wrong on this, but what I'm seeing makes me believe that while it might not be a full fledged sell off and, and cratering the company, it's enough that we should be concerned as fans. And I don't think this was the Fertitta's intent of putting the UFC name before everything, but I do think that this is where things are headed. So now you this is the this is what happens when the the UFC is the star and Dana White is the star other than and the fighters are not the stars. Now you can now you can start to chip away things and and really strip the company down for the for the maximum profits. The Fertitta brothers for their faults I don't think that was their interest. I think they were genuine fans of the sports of the sport, I, and I know they were. They were genuine fans of the sport. They lost a lot of money before they made money because of their love for the sport and want, wanting to have it succeed. And then they sold. Uh, I don't think this would be the route that would be taken if the Fertitta still owned the company. But now it's under the Endeavor um, business and their interests are not the same as what the Fertitta's interests were. And that's fine. Like I said, that's fine. But I think fans and media and fighters and the sports world in general is seeing a big shift in how the UFC is going to conduct its business. And like I said, I don't think Dana White's going to tell us that that's true because he has a vested interest in making us not believe that that's true. But my gut tells me again, this is a scary time for the UFC and UFC fans, and sports fans in general. And it bears watching. I'll watch it. I don't know how many other people watch it. I'll do my best to report on it. Um, and you can believe me or not. You can see things the way I am seeing things or not. But like I said, I want to be wrong on this, and maybe I will be. And if I am, great. Great, because that's a positive for the sport. That's a positive for the fighters. That's a positive for the for the UFC. If I'm right, we're in uh, we're in for some big changes over the next you know five years or so. So I will watch it. I will report on it, and I will probably piss people off. But I'm being honest. 
and I'm telling you how I feel, and that's all I can do. So, like I said, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong on this. Um, I will be back, I think, tomorrow. I have some things I want to discuss about what I want to see in 2021, and the, the thing I want to see most, I think, is, and I'll discuss this in a lot more detail tomorrow, I want to see the UFC adopt the uh, protocol for a COVID-19 protocol in the Fight Island protocol at the UFC Apex because there's a big difference. So we'll look at that a little tomorrow. That'll be one of the subjects I talk about. And until then, everyone, well, have a happy new year and stay safe.